We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that our unity will one day be restored. Then they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. In the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, amen. Please be seated. So what does it mean to be one in the Spirit? What does it mean to celebrate the Christian feast day of Pentecost? Why do we hear the story of those first disciples receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit and the ability to speak in other languages? And why do we sometimes call this day the birthday of the church? The word Pentecost means 50th. In most Christian traditions, Pentecost occurs 50 days following Easter Sunday. Christian Pentecost grew out of a long religious tradition spanning centuries. Originally, it was a pagan festival celebrating the first grain harvest of the Middle Eastern year and marked by a sacrifice to the gods from the first part of each harvest. This tradition was then adopted by the Jews many, many years later as they created ways to be thankful to God, to Yahweh, for their first harvest. To them, the 50-day period was the week's worth of weeks. Try to say that 10 times fast. After Passover, Pentecost became the celebration of the harvest and eventually expanded to include the celebration of the gift of the law to Moses at Mount Sinai as well. So it is within that rich religious context and history of the Jewish tradition of Pentecost that we read the story of Acts this morning. The disciples had gathered together after Jesus had been carried away before their very eyes. They had gone back to the house in Jerusalem where they had gathered many times with Jesus before and were told that they, quote, soon they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I can only imagine that they must have been grieving and talking and remembering, maybe crying, praying and wondering what to do next now that Jesus was gone. Then on the morning of the Feast of Pentecost in the Jewish tradition, they came out of their room in that house and started telling all the people they met about Jesus. And not only were they fired up by the power of receiving the Holy Spirit, but somehow, miraculously, they were able to speak in languages that could be understood by anyone from anywhere who had come to Jerusalem for the Jewish feast. We hear in the story that the streets were full of an international crowd, a plethora of people representing many foreign lands. And yet, when each of them heard the disciples speak, they somehow heard their testimonial in their own language. They heard and could understand for themselves the good news of Jesus and what it means for all people. But what was shared must have been more than words, don't you think? 
What was shared must have been, in fact, the Holy Spirit working through and among the disciples, igniting their hearts and minds and souls of all who chose to hear. For what we don't hear this morning is how this story in Acts ends. Our hearing of the story this morning ends with just the beginning of Peter's sermon. But if we were to read on in Scripture, we would hear that after preaching to the people, Peter and the other disciples are then asked, what shall we do? Peter extends the invitation of repentance and baptism, along with the promise of receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the last line of the second chapter of Acts describes what every preacher from now to eternity can only dream of as a response for their homiletic efforts. And I quote, those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Overachievers. And now, thousands of years later, we are hearing that same amazing story again, celebrating what some do call the birthday of the church. And today we are preparing to welcome home 18 new members into this community of faith, along with three quite exceptional and above average children, I may add. This feels to me like a particularly important moment to do something more than bake a cake for the church and shout happy birthday. Fun is all that may and will be. I wonder this morning if any of you join me in a certain posture of both celebration and just a little bit of hesitation as we recall the church's birth story. The celebration comes from a place of deep gratitude and awe to be a bearer of a rich tradition gifted to us by a cloud of witnesses who, like we in their own context, pledge their hearts and souls to do the work of sharing the good news. At the same time, the hesitation, or what I would call my hermeneutic of suspicion, comes from our reluctance at times to name and own the shortcomings of this institution that can simply never live up to all of our expectations. Looking at the church as a whole on any given day, it is easy to make the case that we have not lived up and into our baptismal promises that either we made individually or maybe people made on our behalf. We have definitely fallen short at times in not carrying out the vision proclaimed by those first disciples on that Feast of Pentecost. As a church, we have simply missed the mark, neglecting or forgetting to be about radiating God's radically inclusive and unending source of love and forgiveness, healing and reconciliation. And so I personally grapple with both realities on this important feast day. And I have wondered if there is a way to hold in helpful tension the phrase that I know so many of you have heard as well when talking to others about going to church. How often have you heard someone say to you in an authentic effort to explain why church just isn't for them, they have said the words, I'm spiritual, but not religious. I certainly have heard that many, many times. 
And I have realized that phrase for me is predicated on a false assumption. It assumes that one cannot be both. But rather than dismissing that response, I think we are called to bring it close to our very own hearts and to actually wrestle with why that response has become so commonplace. Could it be, at least in part, because we religious types have not become compelling storytellers? Could it be, at least in part, that we religious types have forgotten too often to claim our narrative as foundational and energizing and compelling, giving us a why in our lives at almost every turn? And could it be, at least in part, that maybe, if pressed, we just might be able to find a way to articulate that, in fact, it is not only possible, but absolutely magnificent to say, I am both spiritual and religious. Spiritual in the sense that we embrace experiences of the numinous, basking in the unknowable, undefinable, and yet ever-present sense that we are a part of a great mystery that blows through and into us, moving us forward in far grander ways than we could ever dare to do on our own. And religious, simply in the sense that we engage in a deliberate practice of prayer and sacraments within a chosen community of faith. We do so in order to nurture our spiritual growth in the context of a community that can do more together than we ever could on our own. So what would happen if we dared to be both, both spiritual and religious? If we dared to proudly proclaim and confess all that it includes, acknowledging the failings of some of our ancestors, contemporaries, and maybe even ourselves, in terms of perpetuating things that, well, in shorthand, would not make Jesus very happy, or acknowledging that institutions cling to the status quo for dear life at every turn and challenge of breathing new life into old wineskins, as it were, is in fact nothing new. And amidst all of that, rejoicing in the gift of community and a rich tradition that pulls us out of our own otherwise self-centered lives and myopic vision, rejoicing that because of each other, none of us has to believe all this stuff all the time on any given day. Rather, to build enough trust in our bonds with each other so that we can lean into each other's arms, knowing that God will do the rest, and collectively we create a faith going forward. So on this feast day, my friends, this day when we will hear and make promises to those who are ready to take up what I would say is a spiritual and religious path here among us, may this be the day that we lean into the story of our birth as followers of the way, giving up the parts of ourselves that are no longer life-giving so that the dream God has for us can stay alive and central in our lives. May Holy Spirit stir such a passion in us that we will speak in a language that all will understand. May Holy Spirit shower us with courage to proclaim the gospel in a language that will resonate deeply with others.
And finally, may Holy Spirit be our guide, our strength, and our companion speaking to and nudging us beyond our comfort zones out into the world to live our wild and precious lives. Then they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. May it be so.